Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, still thriving and living his best life on Skype. Great app, Skype. That Sean Hyken is just so happy to record a podcast via Skype. Um, just like it's it's 2012 all over again. It's Sean Hyken of Bleacher Report. Sean, good evening, sir. How are you? Skype sponsor the Chase Thomas podcast <laughs> challenge. The challenge is in effect. I'm here for it. I mean, Squarespace has been pre- presenting sponsors for other people. They do my site. Like, I'm, I'm here for it. Whatever Dude. the Skype folks, if you want to reach out, uh, reach out to the Blue Wire folks and let's let's get this thing going. I'm I'm here for it. Absolutely. Sean, how is your basketball watching? So I don't think I've ever actually asked you because I'm always curious with how different people watch different games and how they keep up with everything. Like, what is your nightly basketball routine? Do you map out who you're going to watch during the day? Like, which games you need to pay attention to? Do you bounce around? How do you watch the NBA at night? I would say that during each of the because you know roughly i'm on i'm on the west coast so things start a little bit earlier for me than they do for you so yeah usually if it's a, if it's a weekday night uh the or the east coast games will start at four and what i'll usually do is i'll just like put on league pass and i'll just like look through like i'm looking like if i were to be watching uh like some you know a lot of times like i'll default to the blazers just because like that's the team i watch the most if, if there's no other game on that's interesting to me but like just for example, I'm looking at uh, today's. I guess today's a bad day because it's a TNT day, but uh, I'm looking at tomorrow because that's you know what you know the full Wednesday slate. So out of four o'clock games, I think Bulls Sixers is probably the one I would be the most interested in. So what I'll do is I'll just kind of put that one on, and then you know, and in the back of my mind, I'll look at you know, and then you know there will be a wave of them that start at five, and usually you know I'll stagger it like at halftime of one game, like of like the game that I was watching before I will, you know, put on another game that's about to start and, you know, watch the first half of that and then maybe go back to the other one at halftime of that game and maybe like catch the fourth quarter. Or if the game that I was watching at first turns into a blowout, then I'll, you know, you know, just flip to another game. I don't really have like a system of doing it back when I lived in Chicago and I was doing a lot of like the nightly blogging for, for the win when I was at USA today, I had the setup where I had multiple TVs going at once so I could just watch everything all the time. And over time, I just kind of realized that I can't have two games on at a time because I just can't pay attention to two yes. things. Yes. Oh, join me. I rail against Red Zone all the time. It's the biggest waste. It changes how people see stuff. They think they're actually watching games and have context for anything that's happening. It just ruins it. Like I, I'm not, I don't have an issue with Red Zone. I think it's. I think bouncing around with stuff is fine. I'm talking about having two things going at the same time on two different screens. Like you can't. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's the same kind of thing where you're still bouncing around. You're still like you you're going to go back and forth. Your mind's going to race back and forth and you're not going to be able to fully invest in one particular game. So you actually know what's going on. I'm a game at a time person, too. I you're you you're speaking my language. I feel like a lot of people do the multiple screens and I don't get it. I don't know how they do that. I tried it. Uh, A, I couldn't really focus on stuff. Yeah. B, the cable got crazy, so I just was like, I needed, I need to downsize this a little bit. That was the other part of it. But uh, a lot of times, basically, like if there's a game that looks good on paper, and then like I'll look at it and see, oh, you know, one of the teams like main guys is injured, I might just skip that one, mm-hmm. or like there, like there might just be like a reason that I don't 
watch certain teams or, or you know because like one of their you know main guys if, if it's a team that's like not that good to start with and then like one of the main people that i would want to watch is injured i don't know i don't really have a hard and fast system for doing it i just sort of play it by ear interesting see i have a system i have to organize everything because i have to watch so much stuff and the braves are ruining my life the braves have been ruining my life for <laughs> about a month now um I just feel so guilty being so angry about them being on. Like, they're playing tonight. Like, the World Series, Game 5 tonight, or Game 6, excuse me, tonight. Like, this might go 7 just despite me. I'm convinced that the Atlanta Braves want me to have no life for a solid two weeks because the Hawks are going on, so I'm watching the Hawks early in the morning, and I don't want to watch the Hawks early in the morning. I just want to watch them at night. Um, basketball games just go so much quicker, two and a half hours. Like, they're, they're in and out. Like, it's great. And these baseball games are going four hours and it's just my night's just gone and I'm fully invested and want like pitch to pitch and like it's huge. It might be the only time in my adult life the Braves win the World Series. So like I'm in I'm invested, I'm invested, but I'm tired. How do you do do a and I've always been very, you know, I've had a lot. I've always had a lot of respect for people who cover, you know, either whether it's like writing or doing a podcast or whatever the case may be, covering multiple sports in depth, like because. You know, I'll see who you have on your podcast and like you have like college football people, you have NFL people, you have baseball people, you have hockey people. And like, how like I can't <laughs> I, I'm I'm like, you know, professionally, like, like the, the only league I cover and write about is the NBA. And so it's pretty much even though, like you know, I've, I, you know, I will casually watch other sports if it's like, it, you know, an NBA thing is on. Like, I'm going to watch that even if it's like, like I have not watched the World Series at all. And like, mm. just like I it's. So I just like how how do you balance like actually being informed and staying on you know every like all of the different sports like that's just that's just crazy to me. A lot of discipline and organization, um, a lot of sacrificing, a lot of Chase is not going out, Chase is uh, not doing this. Um, being a recluse, I guess, works here. Um, but I think generally speaking, it's just that like I enjoy the variety because I find sometimes where I'll get burnout or exhausted from one sport, so it actually keeps me keeps me feeling good about everything so like i like the i like the just the the versatility throughout the year of just being like okay here's a couple months of this here's a couple months of that but this is the worst time of year for me because i've got baseball i've got college football i've got the nfl the nba's back it's just a it's just a lot the nhl is here like mls like like i understand the appeal of it it's just mm -hmm. a question of like being able to retain that much information about that many different things and being able to pivot from like Okay, we're gonna have a discussion from the NBA about the NBA that's going really in depth, and then yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at this other, uh, you know, this this other stuff on your doc, and it's like now I'm gonna have a conversation <laughs> with somebody about the New Orleans Saints, and then about the Oregon State beat. Like those are both the teams that you don't have any like affiliation with, and it's like so how like how like how are you like having you know informed takes about these just random teams and in, in different leagues while you're having like i don't know that's that's all like, like i said i have a lot of respect for people who are able to do that if i were like forced to cover all sports and have actually informed opinions about all sports i don't know if i could do it i just like talking with people from all the different sports too like that's sure. the other thing is if it was just myself i would, wouldn't like it if i'm doing the colin cowherd thing like or it's just not not my deal but like i'm talking with people that i'm interested in and a lot of them are i'm reading so like it's just kind of cool because i'll have read their pieces and i'll just know their work from rivals 247 espn whatever but like for me i just i like i have all these google sheets that i could show you honestly so i have a daily reading list and i have it separated by sport um 
and I just go through the pomodoro. Have you ever used the pomodoro technique? I don't know what that is. Okay, the pomodoro technique is basically you can only really focus on something for like 25 minutes at a time, and then you have to take a break, and then you get up, do something else, and then you sit back down, and you do 25 minutes straight, something else. So I do that for NBA. I'll do 25 minutes straight of NBA reading and watching. So I'm like, okay, I need to see the highlights of this one. I didn't watch this game, so I need to do the seven minutes of this one. Oh, this person went off in this one. Okay, I'm going to see what happened here. Zoom, 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 boom, boom, boom. And then I do another 25 minutes of NFL and then I'll do 25 minutes of this. So like I just, every 25 minutes of my day is like, there's some, there's purpose to every 25 minutes, every hour of my day, essentially. That is interesting. And that's actually something I might have to think about implementing some, not to cover all sports because that's just not really what I do, but that's actually, that's kind of interesting. I've never heard of it. It's super helpful. Like it, it, it makes me feel a lot less anxious about all the different stuff that I'm having to talk about because right. if you can break it all down into just little granular details, it's mm-hmm. it, it's really not uh, not all that scary anymore. That is that I'm I, I'm always interested in kind of people's processes for this kind of stuff too. So that's that's definitely interesting. That's what I do. That's what I do. But that's just for me. I don't know if that's uh, that works for everybody, but that is what's helped me over the years, um, especially like I'm in grad school, too. So it's like I have um, I just have a lot that I have to keep in front of me. But I, I tend to work better when I'm extremely busy versus um, the other way around. Um, I don't know. That's just the way I am wired, Sean Hyken. So don't forget, folks, you can follow Hyken on Twitter where he has his own last name as his Twitter handle, at Hyken. Um, go check out his work at BleachReport.com. Great, great stuff uh, for this NBA season. Make sure to uh, go check out SportsRenaissanceMan.Subsec.com. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com for access to all of our previous episodes on this very program. If you like listening to Sean and I, guess what? You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your show, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. Sean, we need to talk first with the uniforms you you did a piece this week on nba uniforms i've been railing against the one thing i will say i shouldn't say i'm railing against everything because the city uniforms unless you're the new orleans pelicans are all phenomenal like there's no complaints up and down the list the hawks one is just perfection that being said the amount like of different the uniforms city ones do i what you like the oklahoma city ones? they're fine new orleans i don't even know they didn't try like new orleans Miami. is just Miami is it's different. The burn book look, it, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. But they're also like they were never going to top the Miami Vice ones, right? Like that, they're already. Uh, the they crim- should just have kept going with that. There's that's no what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but I don't know, man. Like the Lakers intentionally like just want to ruin my nights where I'll just watch them. I'm like, who's the Lakers? Or what are they wearing tonight? White? Are they wearing the black again? Are they wearing like? Are they just going to wear everything other than what makes them good look? Like it's just. The amount of different uniforms, the amount of variety. I know this is old man yelling at the at clouds type stuff, but like it really, really drives me insane uh, going through different NBA games. And I'm not even sure who's home and away because uniforms have just gotten so out of control. Am I fair? Do you feel the same way watching games at night? I actually feel the exact same way. Okay, good. This, is, this, has been, this has been kind of a pet cause of mine for a long time. And really since the NBA switched from Adidas to Nike, like Adidas was kind of a little bit more laid back with... You know, every team kind of had their home and away jersey and then maybe one alternate and then they do like a special edition one for Christmas or something. Mm-hmm. But they kind of kept it pretty and like, you know, they kept it pretty basic and then they kind of just made you, you know, maybe, you know, every few years they change up what the alternate uniform is. And I kind of liked 
that. But I'm with you. I remember at the beginning of training camp, the Bulls put out a announcement. There's a big Twitter reveal. We are wearing white uniforms at home this year. And I'm just like, wow, that's that's wild. That's very novel. Actually wearing your white. Uni- I don't know. I'm kind of I'm, I'm with you. I'm totally I, I like the, the home team wearing white, the road team wearing their color uniforms. And I I'm also like the Lakers thing also kind of bugs me, too, because it's like the whole point of the Lakers having the white uniforms is that they're the Sunday white. But now they wear them on other days besides Sunday. And I get that Nike is like trying to sell jerseys. And I guess I can't get mad at them for trying to get from making money. But like, I kind of like that you associate certain eras of a franchise with those uniforms. Like the 90s Charlotte Hornets with like Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson and Muggsy Bogues. You know what those uniforms look like. You know, that's that's kind of what they looked like through that whole run. And you don't, you know, they didn't like change them up every single year. So like you didn't even know what, you, you know, you, you look at something, you don't even know what year. Like it, it I just, I'm kind of with you. I think there's too many uniforms now. There are too many. I agree. Like the best was the home and away, the alternate, and then a city special, like one or two max special, special editions. But now we're just, uh, it's just preposterous. And like, you know what the exception was? Mm. I thought the LeBron heat Mm. It's some really cool stuff with some of their alternate. Like they had the, like they had the all black, the black on black version mm-hmm. of the regular ones, and the all white. And then their Christmas version was the all red. And they had like a bunch of different alternate uniforms. And I thought those were cool. I would like, agree. But like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like a lot of this is sort of just a cash grab from Nike, and they are just trying to get you to have to be like, oh, well, if I'm going to be a real fan, I have to buy the new jersey every year. And it's like, just, just pick a couple that are great and just stick with them for a few years. Maybe every three or four years, switch it out. But like, you don't need a new city edition every year. I would agree, and that concludes our old men yelling at crowd uh, at the cloud segment on this very podcast. Um, Sean. Your early season impressions. What has stood out to you through two weeks the most? I've actually found games, and maybe this is going to get into a whole thing about the foul drawing rules or whatever, but Mm. I've actually found games a lot more enjoyable to watch this year in terms of the pace and in terms of not feeling like everything was just going to get slowed down by a million free throws. I've enjoyed... I don't know. It feels like there's been a lot more variety of different styles this year as opposed to just everybody like going jacking up threes every any game you turn on even if it, that's not what they have the personnel for. I've kind of like I've just I I've, I've just found games really enjoyable this year. Yeah, I would agree. The Hawks are really different. Trey is navigating and figuring this fi- figuring this out. But I mean, I will say like even just watching the Wiz Hawks game last night, um they're getting hacked like there are some bad hacks like that is something that is happening where we're going too far the other way where dudes are just getting clobbered inside and the announcers are actually right to be just like losing losing their minds at some of these non-calls but players i think are adjusting but i also agree with you that like the just and the officials holding their whistle is just it's just better for the product that it just it's free-flowing games move better like the flow is better um it's it's nice like i would by and large agree but like there is some stuff the the worst part is at the rim like the unnatural stuff that trey and harden were doing like i get all of that but dudes inside just getting obliterated um 
I don't know. That's probably going to get cleaned up, and it it will um, in due time. But like it is, it has been a more enjoyable um, start to the season. Um, there, who do you think's playing the most different? Who, which style you you brought up seeing different styles? Who who's playing in a unique way that you've been pretty drawn to? The Cavs going with the the three big lineup mm. with Markinen and Jared Allen and uh, Mobley. Mobley that that has been like that that's one because I because I remember during the offseason when they signed Markin and after they took Mobley with a third pick and uh then they re-signed Jared Allen for a hundred million dollars I was just like okay did they play did they pay Markin that much money to come off the bench or are they gonna do the jumbo lineup like the year that the Pistons tried to have Andre Drummond Josh Smith and Greg Monroe and that was a disaster but it's actually kind of worked mm. I don't know I and even if it ends up not working, like in the early season, the Cavs have been pretty competitive and they're, they've been kind of a team that I didn't think going into the season I was going to be that interested in watching, but I've actually enjoyed watching them. But even if it's not sustainable, even if it ends up being something they go away from, kind of respect that they're just trying stuff and they're trying to you know be willing to be different and you know do, doing things that isn't just, oh, we need to play the same way everybody else is playing. So that would be mine. I like that. I like that. The Raptors, just because it's preposterous how they're winning basketball games, like their half court stuff is is brutal. Like it is a tough, tough watch. Um, they they have to work for everything. But on the defensive side, it's just they're a nightmare. They are a nightmare defensively and also a nightmare in the half court with their own offense. Like the Raptors are one of the more baffling teams to watch play basketball in today's NBA. Like it's it's like watching a college team a little bit. Well, I kind of like that there's one or two teams that are like that. Mm. For variety. That's my whole thing. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, the the T-Wolves, I've enjoyed watching a lot, too. The T-Wolves and the Grizz, I think, are two young groups that uh, I've enjoyed. Like, John Morant is just... You've written about him and watched... Like, John Morant is just on a, another level right now. John might actually be my favorite player in the league right now. Just, mm. just full stop. He's I just... I love More than Cam Reddish. I love, what? More than Cam Reddish. I actually like Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is amazing. I, I, I've been a lifelong uh, Cam Reddish fan, and I don't know if folks are watching his his uh, his game this year, but dude's going inside, finishing strong. The shot looks good. Not a, not afraid to guard opposing uh, team's best defender or uh, offensive players. Like it's it's been great. Cam Reddish is legitimately good now. The Hawks are a team. I will admit, I haven't really spent that much time watching this mm-hmm. year. Just not not for, not for any reason, but just because like. Every time, like they've happened to be on, it like happened to be at the same time as a different game that I wanted to watch more. And it's just, it, you know, just you know, just so, sometimes there are teams that you just kind of don't ever like end up landing on for whatever reason. But I'm definitely going to make a point to watch them more because that's that's a team, and I know they have been kind of underperforming lately, but they're fine. I, yeah, I'm not really worried about them. I think Trey is going to figure out what. Basically, my my stance on all of the you know guys struggling with the free throw stuff, whether it's him or Harden or whoever, the great players always figure it out. They mm-hmm. always find a way to adapt to it, and I think Trey is gonna he'll be fine. And you know the fact that they have Reddish and they have DeAndre Hunter back, and like none of those, neither of those guys barely played at all in the playoffs when they made the conference finals. I'm not I'm not worried about the Hawks at all, but I do. I that is definitely a team that I want to watch more than I have. The chemistry inside with Collins and Capella strong. Like Collins finds Capella wherever he needs to go. It they they just know what they're doing inside with one another. It's it's great to watch. Uh, Capella got bodied though by Gafford yesterday. Like Gafford is a beast inside. That man in DC is a monster inside and was eating Capella's lunch. Capella looks a little off this year to start off, 
Bogey doing some stuff. Like one of the weird things about watching the Hawks right now, especially in the half court, is that Bo- like it's a lot. <laughs> Bogey's still trying to figure out how to do this in the regular season because it was just the postseason was like, oh no, Trey, and then Bogey goes to the corner and all this kind of stuff. But like now they're just they're letting Trey just be off the ball a lot more than he's ever been, and this is just kind of discombobulating if you've watched a bunch of Hawks games um, before this year. It's just that like it was his usage rate was bonkers and he had to do everything himself and that was where the James Harden comparisons came from but now he really doesn't have to do nearly as much so when he, people talk about him struggling out of the gate it's really just that there's just so much talent that he really doesn't have to do much and they're trying to figure out how to navigate with Reddish with Bogey with Trey with Herder with Collins with Reddish with Hunter like there's just so many dudes to get involved like Gallo just sits there in the corner and he's been great from the corner three spot but like they're just trying to figure out how to manage nine to ten good dudes around Trey at all times. I don't think they figured that out yet in the half court. Yeah, I think they've kind of I think they're going to be fine because I feel like what you know, they they you know, when, when you look at kind of the two halves of their season last year, mm-hmm. I feel like they way overachieved once they moved to Nate McMillan. But then they also way underachieved with under Lloyd Pierce. And so I think how good they actually are is probably somewhere in the middle. But I don't know the Hawks. The Hawks are not a team that I look at their early struggles. The Hawks, and then Milwaukee is also one where I'm just like I see them struggling early, and I'm just not at all worried about it. No, Milwaukee, you can just go ahead and like. There's a couple teams where it's just. I mean, I think it's probably the the Hawks, the the Bucks. Phoenix, I think is fine. Phoenix is fine. Who I don't think is fine is the Lakers. I think we can go ahead and cross them off. Um, <laughs> I've been railing against them. I went all, like all off season. I was like, there's no chance they're a top four seed. The contender status is over. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, this was a terrible trade. The Russell Westbrook trade was terrible at the time. It's terrible now. Like, I was against all of this. And it's just... I think people just give... I think people are just afraid to not give LeBron the benefit of the doubt and just... Say not me, not on this podcast. It has nothing to do with even LeBron. Like, I love LeBron. Like, it's, I still think if the, if those two, if him and AD are 100%, if, if are close to fully healthy by the playoffs, like, I still think they could make a run. But that's a huge if with those two because mm-hmm. LeBron is, what, what, he's like turning 37 this year or 38. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's going to be, like, that's been, the injuries have actually been a thing with him the last few years. And AD two of the last three. Perpetually, you know, day to day with whatever ankle, like, that's what I was saying. There's not there's not a path to them playing enough in the regular season for them to get a top four seed in the West. Like they they're not going to be available for enough games. Yeah, I'm with and I, I the way that I can kind of rationalize the Westbrook thing because I'm with you. I think the fit is terrible, but I see how you can look at that and go, he's going to be a regular season innings eater. He's going to you know, put up a bunch of points and stuff and, you know, win you some games in the regular season. But then you you, know, you get to the question of what's going to happen when they have to minimize his role in the playoffs, which mm-hmm. they're going to have to do if they want to go far. And it's like, who's going to have that conversation <laughs> with him? Does Frank Vogel have the juice to do it? Is LeBron going to be willing to do Like, it's just, I don't, I just, I don't know how it's going to work in the playoffs. I think it'll be fine in the regular season because I think he'll be able, if LeBron and AD miss time, he'll be able to be the number one option to win them enough regular season games against bad teams that they'll be able to kind of get by and stay in the running and stay you know up in the standings i i i can see it from that standpoint but when it comes to the like the lakers are not near the top of my list of like teams that i'm looking at as real threats in the west no um and conversely like the the clippers who you've probably watched a lot because i think they've already played the blazers twice right 
Yeah, I saw them here on Friday. Okay. Um, then I watched the one in LA where Reggie Jackson went off. And that was t- brutal. Yes. So that one they got... had 30 turnovers. I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I, I think I saw the stat. I don't know if this was just in Blazers franchise mm-hmm. history or in the league, but no team has had 30 turnovers in a game since like January of 1989. That's bonkers. So... Well, I have a question for like you. Is Nazir Little good? Just like careless passes and like some 24 second vibe. And just they weren't even like the kind like because there were some turnovers where you can just like say, oh, yeah, you know, it was just good defense by the other team. But some of the ones in that game were just not good. No. And the broadcasts were letting him have it, too, of just like how sloppy it was. <laughs> I, I recall. Um, but it was a great game because Paul George, I believe, went off in that one. But the weird thing about watching the Clippers is just that like Terrence Mann's obviously great, especially defensively. But like we talk about no depth there's no depth on this clippers team and they need <laughs> it's just weird especially when marcus morris senior sits out where you're like they are asking for the world from reggie jackson and um luke Kennard every night like they need the world from them because paul george has given them 40 multiple times and like he's doing everything paul yeah his per right now is 29.3 like he's been amazing um from what i watched with uh the clippers thus far but like i don't know when you watch those two games what did you pull from from the clippers early on that if the clippers are a top five seed in the west paul george has a pretty legitimate mvp case i would agree yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i'm i land on him right now uh i kind of think just without Kawhi, i think they're kind of back to some version of the team from 2019 that was the eighth seed and took a couple games off the Warriors unexpectedly in the first round like they're not going to contend without Kawhi and I don't expect that he's going to play at all this year but like I still I could see them being like a you know an annoying lower seed team that's kind of where I'm at with them in the playoffs that's fair um I could see that too uh I don't know who are you higher on uh like let's just the the Sean Hyken clairvoyant Sean Hyken here um, who do you think? <laughs> well, don't take betting advice from me because I'm never good at that kind of stuff. But uh, well, I think yeah. if, mm-hmm. if Jamal Murray is healthy by like midseason, I think Denver is as much of a threat as anybody to win the West. Hmm. I do you know who I had before the season winning the West? Who? The Jazz. I, 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 this is the no, year Sean join me this is the I'm, year I'm not doing that join me Sean Hyken you can you can have that I mean you can go ahead and be I mean I think the Jazz will probably get the number one seed again mm-hmm. but no I'm just I, I no okay I have I have Jazz Bucks uh, well we have one of the same two teams then <laughs> in the finals. who do you have so you have the Nuggets winning the West I do okay I'm just worried I mean, about the trend. Obviously, I can take all this with a with you know with the fact that like every pretty much everybody gets predictions wrong and you know whatever. Don't hold me to this. Don't bet money based on any of my predictions. But that whenever I have been asked to publicly give a prediction, that's been what I have gone with because I mean, look, the Nuggets before the Murray injury looked like you know once they did the Aaron Gordon trade, they had him for like ten games or whatever before mm. he got hurt. He looked, I mean, they looked just, like, I think they looked incredible then. I think that was, you know, they probably would have been the favorites to win the West if Murray hadn't gotten hurt. And Jokic has been so good again to start the season. And the other thing with Murray is that a torn ACL at this point, with how far the science has advanced, and you look at somebody like Zach Levine, who's sort of a similar player to Murray, 
and how he basically came back from the ACL and was completely fine. And I just, I feel like if Murray is back in like February or March, which is from what I've heard is like pretty realistic. And then by the playoffs, he's fully reacclimated. I don't know. There, there's nobody that I don't feel like they can beat in a seven game series or that they can't beat in a seven game series. That's fair. I mean, I'm very high on the Nuggets as well. Um, I, Here's I would... the other one. Mm-hmm. And you're going to this is this one is not going to be as much of a, you know, as much of a consensus thing as 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 other uh, teams that maybe we've talked. Oh, I'm about. ready for this. Would it? I mean, it would be surprising, but it would be completely stunning if Memphis was this year's Hawks and just oh. like, made the conference finals out of nowhere. Where are they at right now? What are they? Where are they at right now? Um, hmm. Like if Jaw keeps playing like this and Jaren they're four and three. Um, yeah, stay in the like if if Jaw keeps playing like this, Jaren stays healthy. You know, I think a that's lot a big like, if though. I know it's a big if, but you know. Think just that's why I said this year's Hawks. Think about the Hawks going into last year. That's true. Last season, it was like, oh, they had you know they have you know one guy who everybody is pretty sure is a superstar, and they have some cool young guys that people are intrigued by. Maybe they'll make the playoffs this year, and then the few things go their way, and they make the conference finals. If you told me that Memphis did that this year, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be like jaw on the floor, like falling down. Well, I think the Adams or Valanciunas swap's been a win for them. Adams has been good. He watched these I games. Thought, I thought that at the time there was a lot of, I mean, because I know Jonas was pretty good for them last year. And so when they made that trade, there was a whole lot of, of stuff that I saw that was like, I don't know. Adams isn't as good. As, <laughs> he's going to mess up their spacing. It's not going to be. As, and it's like, no, Stephen Adams is good. Stephen Adams does. He's a good passer for a center. He rebounds. I, I, I just he's been I think that trade has been I mean, I guess I don't want to call anything a win for the Pelicans right now, but like. I thought that trade at the time made sense for both teams. Yeah, we can't really say the Pelicans are just the saddest team in basketball on the the Zion. I, I'm looking on this. I'm looking on this rundown, and sorry if we're going out of order, but I'm no, looking it's fine. at this rundown. And one of the topics you have here is your league pass stayaways. That's just that's my answer. The Pelicans until until Zion comes back, I'm just not interested. And I'm actually kind of mad that they're on national TV tonight. Like, did they on national not- TV against tonight? They're on TNT against Phoenix. Oh goodness gracious! Like, did like did the league not learn their lesson from not just the first, you know, Zion's rookie season when they mm. put them on national TV like thirty times and then he didn't play until January, and then they basically added the play into the bubble format, basically to have an excuse to get Zion into the bubble, and then he was on like a fifteen minute a game restriction. And then last year they put him on, you know, put the Pelicans on TV a bunch of the team wasn't very good. And now like he's going to be, I, I know that like they made the TV schedule before the season, but it's like, you you kind of have to build that in at this point. Like you can't put the Pelicans on TV a bunch, assuming that Zion is going to be healthy because I think pretty clearly the track record is that he's not. So that's just a team. And I mean, I know like you can point to other guys that like you can say, Oh, you know, Brandon Ingram. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not tuning into a game specifically <laughs> to watch Brandon Ingram. I'm just not like until Zion is back. I'm just, I'm not interested in the Pelicans at all. If you have a player named Herbert in your starting unit, I'm, I'm not tuning in. Can't the thing it. is, I actually, from what I've heard of, from what I, I haven't, I can't, I'm lying if I said I've watched a ton of him, but people seem to think he's good, though, is the thing. That's fine. He can be good. His name's Herbert. I can't do it. Sure. Um, 
Well, the one thing when you brought up the Grizz and if they could do the the Hawks type run, the one thing though I would say to counter that um, is that the Grizz didn't do the all-in spending the Hawks did because the Hawks kind of got to that point because they overpaid Bogey and Gallinari and traded for Capella. They made a lot of win-now moves because the front office and the head coach were both in the hot seat and had to make the playoffs to save their jobs. The situation is not the same with Taylor Jenkins in this uh, front office in Memphis at the moment. So, like, they didn't approach this offseason with the same kind of sense of urgency. Like, Steven Adams for Valanciunas doesn't really do that. They they have some vets, you know, like Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson, who they still have in this group. But, like, by and large, I mean, Zaire Williams is kind of going to be an important player. Brandon Clark's an important part of the rotation. You got Bain. Uh, Tillman's, I think, been getting some DMP CDs. But, like, there's not a lot of veteran depth. Uh, Melton is good, but, like... I don't know. I think I would be more optimistic about something like that if their depth is a little bit better in terms of the bogeys. I don't see a bogey on this roster. I don't see some of the the. I just I would like to see just a little bit more veteran heavy help guys that you know can get them there come playoff time. That maybe they can do that before the trade deadline, but that is something I think that's different about the Grizzlies and what the Hawks did. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I think that. The, what I kind of like about the Grizzlies is that whichever of those young guys you want to talk about, whether it's Bain or Till, whichever whichever one or two of them they decide are not going to be part of the long-term plan, they have enough of those types of guys and salaries. You can get someone at the deadline because there's always going to be somebody who, you know, a team that thought they were going to be good and then aren't or they just like are trying to get under the luxury tax or, you know, a tanking team like Oklahoma City who has still has one or two like maybe like, you know, they decide they're going to you know move Derek Favors for salary relief or whatever. And somebody like that, you know, becomes available and you can, you know, slide in and get like the, the Grizzlies like they I think they're in a good position that like if somebody comes available like a, a veteran, you know, you know, rotation piece like that, they can get somebody. So I'm not I'm not that worried about it from that standpoint, because I just kind of always assume that for especially for some of these teams that have the quote unquote smart front offices, which I think the Grizzlies are sort of developing a reputation as being one of those organizations, at least over the last couple of years. You never look at their roster opening night and think this is exactly what their roster is going to be come playoff time. So I feel like they'll be able to get somebody if they need to. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, something like that. Sure, yeah. I I would I wish they were both not making a combined forty two million dollars for Sacramento this year, but um, if that were not the case, then I would I would say I mean even one of the two I think I'd be a lot more in on. But Jaw is that good where we're having this conversation right now because it's not that crazy because Jaw Morant is going to be that hard of an out uh, come playoff time. I, I'm excited to see Jaw Jaw Morant back in back in the playoffs. Um, your old team that you covered, the Bulls. The Bulls are back. The Bulls are back. Um, there are a lot there of fun more to watch. Are saying it. <laughs> a lot of people are saying it. Trey Kirby saying it. Um, a lot of a lot of good folks are out there saying it. Um, watch two of their games. They're they're fun, but it's also just like you know who they remind me a lot of. Who? Prime Indiana Pacers, where it's like the Pacers over the last few like years. The Paul before, George Roy. Hammer. Yes, that's who they remind me of. And it's just like they're only going to play vets. They have their guys. Their rotation has no top-end talent, really, that's going to... Like, Zach Levine's good, but it's not good enough to come out of the East, but it's also good enough to win 50-plus games. Like, they're stable. Like, this group is pretty stable. pretty close to coming out of the East a couple of those times against Right, Miami. but they just didn't. My point is, like, I don't think the Bulls are coming out of the East. I think if you want to talk yourself into it, great. But for me, no, probably not. But do I think they're, they're going to be really good for the next couple of years? Like, really good? Yes. I don't know. That's what they kind of remind me of. 
That's, I mean, I think personnel-wise, I'm not sure I agree with that because I don't think Nikola Vucevic and Roy Hibbert are very similar players at all. Like, you know, Roy Hibbert was basically an all-defense, not a lot of offense type of guy, and Vucevic is kind of the opposite as far as big men. But Stable veteran, I though. Agree. Sure, yeah, but I, I agree with you that they're fun, and I think there was a lot of... A lot of the hand-wringing, I think, over what they did this offseason was basically centered around a lot of groupthink about how DeMar DeRozan doesn't shoot threes, therefore he's not a valuable player. And it's going to mess up their spacing. Like, spacing is just kind of a word that people say to make themselves sound smart, basically to disparage anybody who doesn't shoot threes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, DeMar DeRozan is actually really good. And it's also just bringing him in was also something that I think was valuable. Because remember, like, last year, towards the end of the year, they were kind of still in the play-in the play mix, and they were still kind of trying to stay competitive. And then Zach Levine gets COVID and misses, like, two weeks, and it was just a wrap for them because they had nobody else who could create their own shot, and they had nobody else who could really do anything on offense. Having a guy like DeRozan means you don't have to depend on Levine to do everything. And then, you know, just bringing in Lonzo is, you know, taking a lot of the on-ball responsibilities off of... Levine, he's been great. Caruso has been really good defensively. Some of their young guys, like Alizé Johnson, I, I, is not a guy I really was that familiar with before, but I, I, he's interesting. Uh, uh, Javante Green is interesting. Like I've just kind of I've enjoyed watching them. Yeah, I um, I have two. I have two. Um, they're they're gonna be fun. I think down the stretch. I think this has staying power, and I think Zach Levine. Anyone who doesn't enjoy Zach Levine at this point, I don't know what to tell you. But I will say the Patrick Williams injury is yeah that's that's a bummer that's i will also say that so about a team like about like the bulls where you're we're talking about like does this have staying power or can this group win a title or can the you know can this group contend first of all they're going from being out of the playoffs for four years in a row or five years in a row or whatever it's been since they did the rebuild to completely overhauling the roster and now they're good for the first time like i don't know if you'd necessarily have to go straight from that to oh well if they're not contending then it's a failure because you kind of you know you have you have to have like unless it's like a phoenix type of thing where you bring in somebody like chris paul and you immediately go from being out of the playoffs to making the finals like there has to be some steps in between where you know you go from being a lottery team to you know bringing in some guys and now you're good again and you know maybe you know this year maybe they get out of the first round and then maybe next year they try to contend and then the other thing is people are acting like because they spent a ton of money on like Lonzo and uh, DeRozan and they, you know, they have Vucevic under contract and they're going to have to pay Levine a ton of money probably this off season. That just because they did that means that this is going to be what they're stuck with when they basically had no cap space going into this off season and they still, you know, were able to do work, a bunch of sign and trades and you know, be creative. Like if they have to pivot again, they'll be able to pivot. If like, if they have to, you know, move DeRozan for something like in two years, if, if they, you know, if they decide that like they want to, you know, somebody becomes available and they need like they, they'll, they'll have ways to do that. Yeah. And there's something to be said for just being good and competent for a little while. Um, That's the thing also is like, you know, the Bulls, had, you know, Bulls fans, and I still know, you know, follow a lot of Bulls fans because I covered them for a number of years. They've been dealing with just this for what, however many years that Gar Foreman and John Paxson were running the front office. And I covered it for a lot of years. There was just this mentality of, well, you know, free agents don't want to come here, so we just don't even have to try. We're just going to say, well, you know, we got to keep our financial flexibility and not, mm-hmm. you know, use any cap. You know, that was kind of their thing all year. And now the new regime comes in. And even if you, you know, have questions on paper about the fit, 
Like, I don't see how you can be a Bulls fan and be like, hey, they're spending money on good players. I'm going to get mad at this. I agree. Um, Marcus Smart, angry about how the C's are playing at the moment, Sean Hyken. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised at the, the Celtics' early season struggles. Are you? I am. I was high on them going Same. into the season. I like I liked bringing Horford back. Uh, you know, being a Portland guy, I was, you know, very much hoping and optimistic that Ime Udoka was going to have a big impact there. So I, I would have liked to see, you know, him get off to a better start. Obviously, it's early. You want to give him time. And there's been some, obviously, you know, with, with like Jalen and Horford having, you know, dealing with COVID stuff, that's obviously a, you know, something you can't really do anything about. But like... The Tatum stuff is concerning. He's kind of gone full, you know, the bad version of himself. He's, you know, taking a million shots and just taking bad mid-range shots and, you know, not passing. And I, I honestly, I saw the Marcus Smart quote last night that you were talking about, and I kind of can't really disagree with anything he said. And if he hadn't just signed that extension, I'd be I'd be monitoring that situation a little bit. But he just signed that, so I guess that you know they're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, I just they took a they they rolled the dice a little bit anyway. Because remember that weird stuff this this summer. Like part of the reason that he resigned was like I think the Celtics and Brad Stevens saw him as a lead ball handler this year. Like that was something that they were talking themselves back into. Because I mean he did that at Oklahoma State. Um, I don't know what was going into that, but remember, do you remember that where they were like, we're going to see if we can get him on the ball more this year? I don't really watch much college, so I, I can't really help you there. Well, no, no. What I'm saying is that they were talking about him being a lead guard again and like putting him on ball and like have him be in this point guard role and fill the role of Kimba. And I wonder how much of that is just like bothering him. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, we, we don't actually want that at all. Uh, we do not want you to be. <laughs> Uh, to try and be the lead guard uh, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the floor, we we we're good. We don't need that. Yeah, that's it's it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of work all that out. But yeah, the Celtics are kind of a bummer, and I was hoping that they'd be good this year. And they're kind of strapped because you can't move Tatum, you can't move Horford, you can't move Brown, you can't move Smart. So it's really like Josh Richardson, who it pains me as a VFL Josh Richardson for him to he might just be washed at this point. Like it might just be over. Um, I don't know. I, they don't have a lot of room. I mean, Schroeder is one year five mil, but like, I don't really know what you do. And a lot I, of ba- a lot of bad vibes with Schroeder and Richardson. You can't have that many anti-vaxxers on one team. Are they both anti-vaxxers? Oh yeah. Oh, I did not know this. Um, They're both like vocal about it too. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you can't have that. <laughs> um, the Heat, as of this recording, Sean. Love it. They have the best net rating in basketball my utah jazz though my utah jazz people are saying my utah jazz are number two who do you buy more with their staying power as the best net rating in basketball as the best net rating in basketball, who is more likely to maintain that long term oh probably utah okay that's diff that's a different question than who would i be more likely to see in the finals that's i have two did those are two different answers wait so you have the heat is more likely than the jazz to make the finals I absolutely still see the Jazz as a regular season team. I, I don't I don't I mm. we just saw this exact same group get the one seed last year and then lose in the second round to the Clippers without Kawhi and just uh, I I need to see them. I, I, it, it, this is probably unfair, but they're going to be a team that I'm going to need to see go to the finals before I say that they can go to the finals. 
that's fair that's fair like, um, I'm just, I see a lot of like I understand on paper all the reasons why like the continuity is great and like you know I know like what Rudy Gobert's defensive numbers are but I've also seen him get played off the floor in the playoffs uh, in, di- in different matchups and I I mean I do I do like the Rudy Gay acquisition I just love the Rudy I'm, Gay acquisition I'm not I'm just I don't know the, the Jazz are just like part of it for me is just i think there's another level for donovan mitchell like i am still super super high on donovan mitchell and i think so he has another level sure i just i i need i need to see them actually do it before i predict that they're gonna do it that's the thing whereas okay with, with this with this miami group it's like I, last year we can kind of write off because basically all of the teams that went deep in the bubble flamed out in the mm-hmm. playoffs last year because they like had no off season so i think that the uh the Heat are kind of well positioned, and I also like like Kyle Lowry has fit in great with them, and Hero is looking a lot like I my my stance on Hero has kind of always been that he's not as good as he was in the bubble, and he's not as bad as he was last season, mm. and he's looking pretty he's been he's been looking pretty good so far. Like I'm I'm the Heat are not my pick to win the East, but I could see them like getting to the Eastern Finals like and facing the Bucks or something like that wouldn't shock me. How does he play in crunch time though? who hero yeah there's no path for him to play in crunch time right well who do you who who do you have out there you have jimmy yeah well pj has to be out there sure that's what i'm saying like that's the problem with hero is like even this is being off say it again four guys though no i'm saying tucker bam um jimmy duncan and kyle you could you could make make Duncan. I, I, Duncan i'm not pulling duncan robinson out of my closing five with that group no way Eh. I I mean I could I could see I mean I I I don't know we'll have to okay. see how that plays out but I don't know I but that but this is just kind of getting back to like oh well Tyler here or isn't gonna be in their crunch time lineup that means he's useless or whatever like I don't know well no no that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying that like the, with the value to get the most out of hero I just I don't know to see if that what he is he needs to be in those closing five groups in the playoffs with this this Miami team and I just don't know how he fits maybe it just depends on the matchup so he gets in for some parts of it and PJ Tucker gets pulled like they do an off and on type situation or if Duncan's super cold you go with hero maybe I'm overthinking it but that is something I was thinking about where at some point you still need your best five guys out there late and they have like six dudes I really trust and I don't I don't know what that means for an okay problem to have it's not bad it's not bad um yeah we'll 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 see who in the top of the of the east right now the weirdness with the bulls the hornets like uh, you look at the top of the nba east right now the knicks I'm pulling up the standings as we speak it's bonkers right now it's ludicrous it's mayhem at the top of the east right now it's the heat the the bulls the knicks the sixers the wizards who the hawks just beat last night the raptors who have won four straight um and then you have the Nets in the eight spot right now at four and three. If the playoffs started today, the Hawks would be in the playing game. Um, I don't know. Like the the Bucks at three and four, uh, they'll be fine. I'm not worried. They've lost three straight. But um, who in the top group? Who in that top echelon is most likely to stay in the top four? Because I don't think Miami. any of the four outside of Miami. Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think Milwaukee will be up there. I think Brooklyn will be up there. I could see one of Chicago and New York being in the top four, but not both. I had New York not making the playoffs before the season. I don't think they're, I still yeah, don't I think know. they are. Um, but we'll see. 
there no i think that i've 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 covered enough tibbs teams that there's only so bad that you can be usually if you have decent players that's fair that's fair i know. uh I definitely don't see Washington staying in the number four spot. That's I can tell you that for free. Uh, They're Philly, spicy I, though. They're deep. Montrezl's really good for them. Like the Montrezl Gafford combination is really a pain in the butt. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a play in team that you get annoyed having to play. Yes, they are. They're really out on it if, until the Simmons thing gets resolved. I know they've been winning lately. I'm just I'm just out until the Simmons thing gets resolved. Well, Maury's ready to I've dig in. Interesting to say about by the way. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that's getting resolved this year. I, I, it might not be that, but in that case, I might just be out on them. Yeah. Uh, did you love the Dame celebration that Philly gave gave him the other night? That was fantastic. Yeah, that was that was a little bit like all of those, you know, however many years before LeBron was going to be a free agent in 2010. He like made one comment one time about how he likes playing in Madison Square Garden, and then all the Knicks fans spent like the next two years every time he came to play against the Knicks they would all just be like cheering for it that, that, I don't know that stuff is so thirsty to me just with like especially when the guy has made it very clear in the face of basically the entire league is trying to speak into existence him demanding a trade and he's been very very clear over and over again that that's not something he's going to do but mm. people just keep assuming he's going to just because that's what a lot of people have done in his spot. And he's said over and over again, no, I'm not going to do that. He's doubled down on it. And they're still trying to, uh, you know, they're, they're still they're still trying to make it happen. So, like, I, I guess I respect the commitment, but I don't know. I just I thought that was kind of funny is all. It's the Tobias Funke deal. I guess so. It didn't happen. It didn't work for those people, but it might work for us. Also, if you're if you're Dame, mm-hmm. let's say that hypothetically at some point in the future he does decide he wants to go to a different team. Why would Philly necessarily be the one you want to go to? Like, do you know if Joel Embiid is going to be able to stay healthy for a long period of time? Like, I, like there's that's that's the other part of that that never made sense to me when people were talking about this summer about Dame trying to force his way out or whatever. Was that, you know, when Harden was doing it, it was obvious that he was trying to get to Brooklyn. It was obvious how good he would fit in there with those other two guys. There's no situation like that that Dame could walk into and say, okay, this team is immediately going to dominate that also has the the pieces to get him. Like, it's just not like that just isn't there, that element of it. That's fair. You know, what's funny is that's a tricky thing because I think this summer, something that I was mentioning with the, the Ben Simmons stuff on this podcast was that like... The, the the thing that no one wants to talk about is that Embiid's probably got two to three years max left of this. Max. Yeah. And yeah. that's what people, like, they're like, oh, well, he's fine. He hasn't done it. I'm like, go through the list. And I, I don't have it in front of me, but I had a whole list of everything that he has had to this point in his basketball career. Yeah, it's and wild. It's bonkers. Like, you're playing with house money with Embiid. And it's there's two different ways of looking. Like, I don't want this to be true. I love watching Joel Embiid play basketball. Like, I don't want this to be the case. You just have to know that that's like it's really doesn't take a genius to look at his health history and the way he plays and just kind of his the way his body looks and just kind of see what it's going to be. It's going like, to be over and it's going to be rough. Like it's going to happen quick or it's right, just that's over. The thing that I'm saying, like, I understand that 
there's this, you know, mystique around Daryl Morey, like, oh, he's always in try- trying to trade for a superstar. But like, if you were Dame, if you, if you, and again, he has made it a million percent clear that he doesn't want to leave Portland and he, you know, isn't going to, tr- you know, ask out. But if you were him, why would you look at that situation and be like, yeah, no, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to burn all of my goodwill in Portland. That's what I want to like go, you know, back on what I've done my whole career. That's what I want to do. That's, that's where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, favorite storyline for you right now, Sean Hunkin, in the NBA is what? Well, besides the Bulls being back, <laughs> I'm, a, which obviously I'm all about the Bulls being back. Big Connor Smith guy over here. Connor's my. I was actually just with Connor like a week and a half ago. There you go. Uh, I. I mean, Charlotte is probably like a cliche thing to answer here, but I, I love Charlotte. Hmm. Love LaMelo, love Bridges, love that whole team. They're a lot of they're fun. fun. They're fun to watch. They're like the league pass darlings. Uh, I, I'm i just looking down kind of this list of other teams. Uh, Minnesota we've hit on a little bit, but Anthony Edwards rules. I, 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 I love watching them. I love Memphis. Uh Dallas rules for a different reason in that Luca has to do everything because that roster is atrocious. Like I, I don't know if some people understand. Some of us were talking about what a disaster hiring Jason Kidd was going to be from the beginning, and I saw a lot of people talking themselves into it. I, it's I, not I even just, him though. It's not a Jason Kidd thing. The roster just stinks. Like everything not, around him is awful. It's, not good. it's just kind of. It honestly reminds me of a lot of you know what what the, a lot of these Portland rosters. I mean, yes. there's nobody on. There's nobody on Dallas as good as C.J. McCollum, but like, there's a whole lot of you know the way that a lot of these Portland rosters have looked. It's like you can look at these rosters, you're like, yeah, this isn't very good. Oh, but Dame is so good, they're gonna right. If you remove Dame from the equation, this group is atrocious. And that's kind of what the Blazers have been dealing with the last couple of weeks because he has you know his his shots haven't been falling, and now it's like, oh, well, we don't have Dame to bail us out. Oh, what are we gonna do? Although you know some people in the organization have said that they're bad, you know, that they them losing before was not a product of the roster. That's what some people have said, but you know, that's, not a, that's another discussion. Do you miss Terry? Uh, Y'all had a good little back and forth, a good rapport. I have a good relationship with Terry. I have very much enjoyed, like Chauncey will give you a lot more as, you know, from hmm. a, a practical, like media standpoint than Terry ever did. Like, Terry and I had a good relationship in terms of just like talking, but if you ever want to get Terry on the record about something or ask him a question in like a formal press conference mm-hmm. uh, set, he is absolutely useless. He's <laughs> he's in the he's in the I'm not going to give you my starting lineup even when it's obvious because it's a state secret. That's kind of the way he operates. Chauncey and I mean concerns that i and others had about the hire for other reasons is a different discussion that i don't really feel like re you know getting into right now but just on a day-to-day level of dealing with him over the last month or so since camp started i have i have i have it's been positive so far Mm. interesting i wonder if that's just like the media part of it where he's been in those shoes for a long time um, well, I think that's certainly part of it. It's just it's the same reason that you look at guys like Doc Rivers and Steve Kerr and everybody talks about how great they are with media because they used to be broadcasters. And so they kind of get how the game is played. But no, I've found I've I have enjoyed dealing with Chauncey so far. Do you think Pop will do TNT? Oh, God, no. OK, absolutely not. Hmm. I wonder if he'd be good. 
Stan's so good. I love having Stan back as color commentator. Like, he's fantastic. I think Stan likes being in the public eye more than Pop hmm. does. I think I think once Pop retires, he's gone. Okay. We'll never. It'll. It'll. Honestly, it'll kind of be like Tim Duncan, where he retires and we just like never hear from him again. I could see that. Um, you already did your league pass stayaways. Let's end with the rookies. Let's end with the rookies. Your rookie watch through two weeks. Who have you? Who have you thought have really popped for you? Well, obviously Mobley. Obviously mm. Scotty Barnes. Duarte and Indy is the other one. Bucket getter. Is that just because you're an Oregon duck and you were just like you're you're in on uh, another duck? Well, it's like we it's that Dana had, Altman system. We've had a nice little run here. We had Peyton him, Pritchard, had fast PP last year. Dylan uh, Brooks. Yeah, Dylan Brooks. Like we had a, had a nice little run here. I wish Bull Bull had worked out a little bit better, but uh, you know we've we've had it. We've had a good little run. I like you know, but I do I do think Duarte is good. Uh, do you watch Oregon basketball? Sporadically, the women's more than the men's actually. Okay, well they've been better. Uh, yeah, Inesco and everything. Um, uh, the court's just rough. The Oregon court is awful. I don't know if yeah, people like that. I don't know why people would like that. Some people like it. Some don't. I've never really felt strongly about it one way or the other. Bones Highland, when he's been able to play for Denver, has been interesting. Davion Mitchell defensively is incredible yeah. already. Like, I could see him making an all-defensive team as a rookie. Hmm. Jalen Suggs is good. I have... Orlando is a team that I will readily admit I have like barely watched at all. I would encourage you to. Mo Bamba had like a twenty rebound game the other night. Like they're yeah, just I've weird. Heard, I've heard that Mo Bamba has been better, which is good because I that's a guy that I thought was going to be good when he was drafted, and then he's just like Steve Clifford has, was like I'm out. <laughs> Steve Clifford was out, and then like I'm pretty sure he was also a guy who got a really bad case of COVID, and it like messed him up for a whole year. I don't know. If that, I mean, that could be true. I'm pretty sure. Like I. He either got it in the bubble or he got it. That during, sounds like, right. I feel like I read a story on this. But it was like, but he like had like the lingering effects from it, where it just messed him up for like a whole year, and that's why he hasn't been that good. Mm. So if he's maybe over that now, or like people I know that have had COVID and have had bad side effects from it long term, once they got the vaccine, it actually also like cured some of their side effects. So I don't know if that's what's going on here, but like he's. I've been encouraged by what I've heard. I, I, again, I haven't watched a ton of the, of them, but I've been encouraged by what I've seen. Obviously, what you know, one other rookie. This is obviously kind of like a no brainer thing, but I did watch Cade's debut the other night, and I didn't watch it. How do you look? He was defending his ass off, which hmm. was awesome. He didn't he didn't really hit a lot of shots, but he had a couple of really good like he threw a couple like cross-court passes to find guys for open threes and he had a couple of defensive possessions where he would like force a 24 second violation because he was just hounding the guy like i i felt encouraged by what i saw yeah he's interesting because like i i don't think there's a way for him to be the best player in his class and i also don't fault the pistons for still doing that because he was like the safest so it's like i think he'll be good and solid i just don't think he's gonna be the best player in a on a contender i think he's like the number two or number three on a contender like the glue guy um but like mobley and jalen can be the best player on a contender i think it's been pretty rough so far jalen's gonna be fine i am I, all in on jalen green i am not nervous about that dude that dude's going to be fine him and kevin porter jr are a delight situation where he looked like the worst player in the nba for the first half of last season and then suddenly like after the coaching change he was awesome i wonder if like it's just going to take a little bit of time for jalen to figure it out and then in a year we're going to be like what were we even thinking having any concerns about him 
yeah, I think it's going to be a John Moran, Trey Young type thing for him. I think he's just going to be putting up bonkers scoring numbers sooner rather than later. I would not be surprised if he's one of the best young stars very soon. Um, Mr. Hyken, what can we uh, check out from you across Twitter.com and Bleacher Report this week? Uh, well, I like I said, we talked about this briefly at the top of the show, but I did a ranking of all of the City Edition jerseys that were announced yesterday. Uh, and then I've got a couple other things coming out soon on BR, but you know that's just kind of where I'm writing regularly. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Hiken, which that's where I'll post all my stuff. So that's kind of, that's kind of it. All right. Well, cue the great work as we get started with this NBA season. I'm excited to dive on even more with baseball ending this week. No matter what, baseball is over this week, so I can finally like every night zone in on NBA games. But uh, I'm excited, Sean. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.